Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Once again, we want to welcome you to Milestone Church. I want to welcome those of you in our McKinney campus streaming along with us. Also, those of you online and in our video service. Would you join me in welcoming all these other environments? We're glad to have you guys with us this morning. We're continuing this Let's Talk Family series. We're so excited to help, to get some help in these areas and these relationships that matter so much to us. And as you've heard, our, our special guest this morning is Dr. Tim Elmore. We're so glad to have you here with us. Dr. Tim is the president of Growing Leaders. He's a best-selling author, a researcher, a consultant, truly, really an expert in this area, but also not just from an academic or scholarly perspective. He was John Maxwell student pastor for about 10 years, so I imagine in that role you learned quite a few things, and so we're so glad to have you with us. Now, you might be wondering, Jed, why are we doing an interview on Sunday morning? Well, from Pastor Jeff and Brandy to our whole team, we know this is an area we all care deeply about. We want our family relationships to be great. We want our conversations to be healthy. We want our homes to be full of life, and so we're trying to help you win. From this environment to the kids area to every area, connections, small groups, our desire is to help you have the kind of family God wants you to have because we all care deeply about that. And really the great news is this morning, Dr. Tim, is this is not just something we care about or Pastor Jeff or the team. We really feel like God cares so deeply about this. You know, I don't know if you know this, but the last verse of the Old Testament in Malachi says that you'll know that God's spirit's moving because he'll turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to their parents. And that's our prayer through this series, through conversation, through dialogue, through studying God's pattern, that in our homes, the hearts of parents and children and brothers and sisters and siblings would turn to each other and we would have healthy, life-giving families. So that's really our goal and our prayer. So we're gonna take some time this morning and talk about some questions and look at them from all different kinds of angles and perspectives and really try to find some practical help that we think you're really gonna enjoy, both on here at Keller but in McKinney and online as well. So Dr. Tim, without any further ado, as we get off and running, as I said, you're a researcher, you're a teacher, you really are an expert in this subject, but you're also a parent. And so we have parents at all different stages. We have empty nesters, expecting parents, yeah. uh, new parents, parents of teens, all the way across the board. If you had 10 minutes to sit down with a parent and say, okay, out of all the things we could talk about, yeah. this is an area where I think we're missing it, where we really need help, what would be the thing that you would point them to? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say in our work with literally thousands of schools, universities, athletic clubs, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. probably the thing I would say first is this generation of parents, in which I'm a part of, and you right. are too, mm -hmm. have done a much better job protecting than preparing mm. our kids. We decided we just needed to make sure they were safe and their self-esteem was high, which are noble goals. Right. But we did that. We so over-functioned in that area that we didn't get them ready for life afterwards. So. Right. They graduate from high school or college, and they're typically, the employers tell us, uh, et cetera, mm -hmm. I just don't think they're ready. I had one university dean tell me recently, 26 is the new 18. Wow. Yeah, so what, we once expected 18, you're a man now, let's take responsibilities, take, right. take initiative. It's now happening later. So I don't think, it, the kids are not dumb, the kids are not savvy, they're, they're very quick, but somehow we didn't get them ready. So right. I did a blog post some, mm -hmm. some time ago where I kind of just laid this out, tried to be gentle, 
-hmm. but I looked at my own life, my own right. dadhood, yeah. and my conclusions were we risk too little, mm. we rescue too quickly, and wow. we rave too easily. Wow. All of those are well-intentioned, but all those have had an unintended consequence on the readiness of kids for adulthood. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things anecdotally that we could talk about sure, and laugh yeah. about. I mean, you probably remember when we were kids, how many of you sat in the back of a station wagon facing the wrong way or in the back yeah. of a truck oh, yeah. and those things? Now it's like we have 74 kinds of seat belts and straps. car straps yeah, that's and double right. straps. Oh, well, my favorite memory, we visited my grandpa's house. We said, put us in the bed of the pickup truck, hit the bumps so we yeah. fly in the air, you know, going on, on our way to Dairy Queen or whatever. Yeah, as a kid, and we thought like, that was fun. My grandpa would be arrested today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's true. It is true. Yeah. I, you were telling me, I want, I want to go a little deeper on this okay. before we do. Weren't you just saying something about monkey bars on playgrounds? Yeah. So this point? some of you will remember 20 to 25 years ago, the playgrounds of America began to change. The monkey bars and jungle gyms began to be ripped off the playgrounds. Some of you remember this? Mm -hmm. Now, immediately, psychologists began to write white papers and articles saying, wait, wait, wait. This is not a good idea. You do realize, don't you, that the same motor skills that a child uses to navigate climbing the monkey bars mm -hmm. are the ones they're gonna need in their 20s when they move out of the house. Wow. Did I mention move out of the house? Yeah. When they move out of the house, when they ask someone to marry them. When they That's get... still the goal, right? Yeah, that, that yeah. is still the goal, I think. Good. So anyway, yeah. fast forward, so right. 20, 25 years ago, the kids were six and seven and eight. Now they're 26, 27, wow. 28. Now psychologists in America, Europe, and Australia Mm -hmm. are all three writing articles about the fact that they're seeing a disproportionate amount of young adults who are having phobias about normal mm -hmm. risk-taking ventures uh, because they just, they just are fearful. Now, I'm not blaming monkey bars alone. Sure. It's a picture of right. how we were so consumed with protecting right. that we didn't let them mitigate some of the risk and navigate some of the risk. When I climb the monkey bars at seven or eight, I'm going, okay, I'm only going this high. I'm kind of scared, but tomorrow I'm going higher. Right. You need to think that way. You only figure out that by taking the risk, not by having a video or a television show or a lecture from mom right. or dad. And I think all of us as parents, we, we're well-intentioned. We have of good course. hearts. Our, yeah. just, our strategy gets off a little bit because we're thinking, what if this happened or I heard on the news this yeah, thing happened? Yeah, or that's right. You, you share this and so, oh no, you, know, you, you start to panic and wonder if it's gonna be okay. Let's go a little bit deeper because okay. it, it makes sense when we start talking about you know, teenage years, what is, let's scale this back. Practically yeah. what we could do, other than encouraging them all to go climb on the monkey bars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what can we do to help them practically begin to not be so protected, but to be prepared yeah. for their future? Okay, so I mentioned earlier, we risk too little. Mm -hmm. um, I understand why mommies and daddies don't wanna take a risk, right. because it's a dangerous world out there, and God knows, we'll hear on CNN or Fox News, something horrible's happened to some mm -hmm. kid a school shooting, we're very obsessed with this right, right now. So our narrative is fear, by and large. Maybe not you, but right. the, if you ask the average parent, oh yeah, I'm scared from a kid. Well, think about that, what that communicates to the child. The child grows up, mom's always scared. Don't take any risks, right. don't take any risks. Well, risk is part of growing up. Risk is what our nation was built on, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Wasn't America an experiment 250 years ago or whatever? Yes. So I would just say it shows up early in elementary school when we're rushing the gym shorts down to the school that they forgot. Mm -hmm. I know that would never happen in Texas, but <laughs> hypothetically, uh, rushing the permission slip that they forgot yeah. or the backpack. We work with a school in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. It's really cute. They have a sign in the lobby of their school to parents that says, dear mom and dad, if you're bringing in your son's forgotten backpack, gym shorts, permission slip, please turn around and exit the building. Your son will learn to problem solve in your absence. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's, that's good. So 
we all get this, but we just, right. so early on it shows up that way. By middle school and high school, we're starting to be an advocate for our child to the teacher. I'll tell you what, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. When I was a kid growing up, if I got in trouble in school, mm -hmm. mom and dad would find out later, I'd get in trouble second time. Yeah. Today, take kid the teacher gets, side. Yeah. That's all, absolutely. Yeah. Today a kid gets in trouble, more apt than not, the parent's gonna storm down and chew out the teacher's side with their child who's eight years old or whatever. Yeah. And so um, all I'm saying is by the time they reach college, if we've not left this, if we've not moved from supervisor to consultant, that's a mm -hmm. big step we gotta take. It is. Something will happen like what happened to the University of Syracuse. I got an email from the University of Syracuse. We work with them. And this teacher, this is a professor of first year students. She said, Tim, I just handed back the set of first set of tests to my freshman students. One of the girls in my class got a C minus. Well, she'd never, ever gotten a C minus in her life. Right. So she had a meltdown. Ah! Right down in class, she's having a meltdown. Everybody looks over this poor girl, she's having her meltdown. The first thing this young freshman thinks to do is reach her backpack, pulls her cell phone, and she texts mom, right there in class. Well, if that's not bad enough, mom texts back, call me right away. So right there in class, she calls mom. Well, class really you know, kind of has to push pause because cell phone calls are kind of loud, so everybody stopped as she's talking. And then the girl goes, okay, hands the phone to the teacher. She wants to talk to you. <laughs> so mom can negotiate a B minus out of the C minus. I wish I could tell you that was an anomaly. It happens hundreds of thousands of times every year across the country. I could make you laugh or cry for the next hour. These are well-intentioned wow. mistakes. But, but you know what we're doing? What we're doing is we're thinking about happiness today and easiest today, right. not readiness tomorrow. Right. So I often, Jed, say to parents, the further out you can see into the future, the better the decision you yeah. make today for your child. If I think about that story as a parent, it's, it's maybe an indictment on myself, but I think, well, I could maybe understand why the motivation of a mom to do that, but as a student, I would have been, we would have made fun of oh, that person, oh, for sure. I mean, be it would have been, yeah. been a difficult environment. They would have needed right. counseling probably afterwards. If they yeah, that's, that's true. Absolutely. But, but if, if somebody doesn't hold up a mirror and go, well, we kind of do this ourselves. Yeah, yeah. You're telling me about, you know, we've heard this term helicopter parent. That's like an extreme yes. Apache helicopter parent. That's right. Absolutely. The they do exist. But there are some other kinds of parenting that, that you've noticed in your research that are kind of funny that we all could go, you know, without some help, I could end up there too. What are some of sure. the ones? Well, my wife about? and I talked about this, and my kids and I talked about this. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, I did some, some research, and um, some of the metaphors that I used to describe some of the parenting styles that maybe you can just evaluate. So my wife and I fell into the helicopter style or the snowplow mm -hmm. style right. for a little while. But um, one is the karaoke parent. Oh yeah, you know what karaoke is, right? That's where you go down to a little bar and grill and sing like Barry Manilow back in 1972. <laughs> the karaoke parents are the parents that want to sound like their child, dress like their child, talk like their child. They want to be a buddy to their yeah. child. In fact, they want to be a pal rather than a parent. Like fun dad. Yeah, that's right, yeah. fun dad, cool mom. Mm -hmm. And while I think it's neat to mm -hmm. be, want to be close to your kids, they got a lot of buddies already. Right. They'd only, they only have one or two parents. It's really good. So I would say do the parent thing now. In fact, if you do the parent thing now well, you'll be a buddy at 25 or 30. Mm -hmm. You don't do it well now, they're gonna have a love-hate relationship with you because they're not ready for adulthood when they're 25 or 30. Right. Well, you're seeing too in, in some of the research that this over, I think you described it as this high arrogance, low self-esteem yeah. is creating this anxiety because of the yeah. constant reinforcement of positive affirmation, which was a well-meaning strategy yeah. again, but it has some unintended consequences. Talk a yeah. little bit about well, that. Well, psychologists are diagnosing many, not all, but many adolescents with a diagnosis, high arrogance, low self-esteem. 
That's kind of weird, isn't it? It's almost like, how can those two exist? Well, it happens because we've affirmed and raved. We told them they were awesome for putting the fork in the dishwasher, which, which is nice, but... In our home, we learned to say, Bethany, thanks for putting the fork in the dishwasher. We all do chores around the house. Thanks right. for playing your part. Yeah. That's, that's the affirmation. Right. The hyperbole mm-hmm. just creates an, an, an unreal sense of right. my importance. So they feel like they're awesome, and then they start wondering, why doesn't everybody want to go out with me? Why doesn't everybody want to right. do what? And so the minute they have a struggle, the minute some adver- uh, uh, adversity comes their way, it's, it crumbles right. and they have this low self-esteem thing. So it doesn't do good in the long run to use hyperbole. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, of course we need to encourage your kids. Yes. I was my fan, the fan of my two children, mm-hmm. but I wanted to make it realistic and make sure it was variables that are in their control, not out of their control. Yeah. And that's really where their spiritual maturity has to be a part of this process yeah, as well. Sure. I mean, the Bible tells us that the father disciplines those who he loves. So yeah. correction is not a sign of I'm rejecting you or there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Correction and discipline is really an expression of God's great love for us. Yeah, and no doubt. culture won't reinforce that value. We as parents have to really participate and take well, the lead in that. You just hit the nail on the head. We live in a day, I believe, where we not only have a new generation of kids in our hands, we have a whole new generation of parents. It's good. We are just looking around it. Do you ever feel parent pressure, parents in the room? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they got the iPhone over there. We need to get the iPhone. We get the right. iPhone. Oh, I gotta get. So I feel like um, I love First Chronicles twelve thirty two. In that book, First Chronicles, they're they're chronicling the tribes and clans of Israel. Mm-hmm. And when they got to the tribe of Issachar, the sons of mm-hmm. Issachar, here's what they said: And the sons of Issachar were men who understood the times. So good. I love that. Mm-hmm. These were men who understood the times. And then he didn't stop there with the knowledge of what the people of Israel should do. So That's great. been my prayer for today. Yeah. God, help us understand the times to know how to handle the portable device and the child that's a screenager and, you know, that sort of thing. So, so. good. That's, it's really both of those. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's, we'll talk about that in a minute. It's both of those things. Yeah. Right, because sometimes we go through culture where somebody only understands and is a sympathetic voice or somebody only is yeah. trying to speak truth, truth. It's gotta be both of those together. Absolutely. Well, I wanna talk for a minute about, and I think this is something that in McKinney and online people wonder about. We talk about it sometimes in our environment. All these different generations, and we hear terms like the greatest generation or the builders yeah. and baby yeah. boomers and Gen X, but mm-hmm. we got these new ones. Yeah. And I know a lot of the, the people in our community, parents, managers, bosses, they're like, Jed, we're talking about millennials and I don't really understand and I don't get them, and but now there's a new one out, and what's yeah. this Gen Z thing all about? <laughs> Help us understand a little bit, what does the research say What's a millennial? What's Gen Z? Okay. How are they different? Give us a little bit of help from the research so that we can kind of get our arms around what's happening in Yeah, culture. good. Okay, so we've been talking about the millennials for 15, 16 mm-hmm. years, since 2002. Um, they're basically the kids that have grown up in the 80s and 90s, so they're young adults yeah. now. But did you hear me? They're young adults now. Yeah. The, early, the youngest population being measured today, and we're doing some primary research and then I'm digging up research, mm-hmm. is called Generation Z, following Generation Y. Uh, they're the kids that are teenagers and younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have grown up in a very different world than the millennials did, mm-hmm. even. So the narrative that's been going on since the year 2000, mm-hmm. September 11th, terrorist attacks. Mm-hmm. And since September 11th, 26,000 other terrorist attacks wow. have happened across. So yeah. every day, somewhere in the newspaper, somebody's getting blown up. Wow. That's just the daily experience. Right. A dot-com era bubble bursting, mm-hmm. recession, unemployment, right. racial unrest, school shootings, police right. shootings. So the narrative in their, in their kid's head today, at least if you think about it, they've never seen a thriving economy yeah. yet. So the millennials, everything was awesome. We got the iPod, right. you know. So for Gen Z, it's, it's just social media is making right. me inundated. So I would say a, a few things have happened. One, um, 
the millennial grew up with a cell phone. That changed our lives. Gen Z's grown up with a smartphone. That's transformed our lives. It's a good distinction. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So my, my phone is everything to me. It's, right. it's coming at me all the time. Uh, Gen, uh, excuse me, millennials were pretty much um, naive and nurtured. I don't want to stereotype, but very much. We, we right. told them they were special and gave them trophies just for showing up on the soccer mm -hmm. team. Uh, Gen <laughs> Z, we've kind of learned a little bit of a lesson now. They're a little more skeptical and savvy. While, while a millennial might have trusted totally the adult, right. Gen Z's starting to question the adult because they're seeing adults make really bad decisions, and so they're not saying, I'm not going to buy into that. Right. Let me give you one example. Mm -hmm. So a Gen Z kid today that's 16, maybe they have a 23-year-old brother or sister. Mm -hmm. They watch the 23-year-old brother or sister buy into the narrative of mom and dad, just go to college and you'll get a great job. Well, they watch their older brother go to college. The great job didn't work out, actually. Right. Now they have a $28,000 debt and they're a barista at Starbucks, which they could have done before the college. Right. And they're going, I'm not going to have that happen to me. So their, their post-secondary experience might be not a four-year liberal arts college. It might be, I'm going to do a MOOC here, massive online open course, internship here, mentor here, a class here, and my resume will be a litany of hodgepodge items that I'll show to an employer so he or she can, can hire me for a gig. It's the mm -hmm. gig economy. I'll do right. a year here, year and a half there, two years there. I might have five jobs in my 20s because I get bored. Right. So um, it's just a, a little bit different day. That's really interesting. And I think you were saying too, or we were talking about millennials getting married later, starting families later. Yeah. I think some of the, our ability to see the differences and the things that we have in common yeah. between the different yes. generations yeah. is when we start having kids and we start working with other generations yes. different than our own. Because right. the truth is, you know, we're all experiencing these massive changes, but for Gen Z, that's all they've ever known. You, in fact, were telling me some of the things you had, didn't you have a, a cross stick that helps us understand yes, some of the absolutely. differences of what, might what be our current, yeah, I think that would really um, help them. This is a little piece that we've shown to all the D Division I athletic clubs, pro teams that we work with, and every one of them's had a little epiphany because mm -hmm. it explains our mindset today. So I call this little, it's, it's two column, if you're making mental notes, I'm gonna give you two columns. On the left-hand column, I'm gonna give you five words that spell the word scene, S-C-E-N-E, -E, that immediately describe, that's our world type. This is the scenario we, we're mm -hmm. growing up in today. On the right-hand side, however, I'm gonna give you the unintended consequences of that scenario, what we didn't see coming all the way. Right. So real quick, the letter S in scene reminds us our world today is full of speed. Right. You would agree with that, wouldn't yes. you? We want everything fast, fast. Yes. we want high-speed internet access mm -hmm. and nothing less. Yes. We don't call it gram, we call it Instagram, right? Um, I often joke when I'm in front of kids, I go, you're a part of a generation that's pacing in front of the microwave oven. It's ridiculous. Yeah, we just, that's true. What, this muffin's taking 60 seconds. Yeah. What's wrong yeah, with this yeah, thing? Yeah. You know. Now, if I grow up in a world of speed, if that's all I've ever known, right. I can easily assume that slow is bad. That's right. I can't even navigate slow. Right. And I'll admit, I'm less patient today than I was sure. 10 years ago. The letter C in scene, our world is full of convenience. Mm -hmm. And by the way, don't we all of the modern day conveniences right. we enjoy today? I wouldn't want to be without them. But if I'm a kid growing up in a world of convenience, everything's a quick click, right. I can easily assume that hard is bad. Wow. Jed, did you know the number one phrase that K-12 educators say they hear from students today? What? This is too hard. Wow. They tell their teacher, this is too hard. And of course, the teacher wants to go, we've been doing this math equation for decades yes, now. You can do true, it too. Yeah. But it's just, everything's been quick. I'm on level two of the video game, not level four. Come right. on, bring it down. They're looking for a cheat code. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm hacking this. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't Parents, if you them. don't know what that is, ask your kids or find them a yeah, they'll, and ask them. They'll yeah, tell you that's right. A cheat code. So real quick, I'm trying to move this at a fast pace. Yeah. The letter E in scene, our world is full of entertainment. Right. And now it's in our hands. 
Come on, let's get on it. So you've got five minutes to wait in line. Aren't you pulling that smartphone, checking out email, ESPN, you know, what's the, what's, you know, what's the NBA playoffs doing right now? But if I grew up in a world of entertainment, if that's all I've ever known, I can easily assume that boring is bad. Right. Now, I'll admit, when I was 16, I didn't like boring either. Right. But what we didn't know then that we know now, neuroscientists tell us today mm -hmm. our brains actually need boredom. Mm -hmm. They say it's in times of boredom when your brains have margin and space and mm -hmm. silence that you actually develop creativity and empathy. Wow. Two kingdom virtues. Mm -hmm. Creativity, we serve the creator, right. and I have compassion for others. Really Think about it. If you're growing up in a world that's just noise and clutter, noise right. and clutter all the time, I'm not caring about anybody else. I'm trying to survive the week right. this week. So two more real quick. The letter N and seen, our world is full of nurture. Now certainly not everybody and every kid in America, but in middle class America and certainly affluent America, We've, again, the yes. helmets and knee pads and safety belts, and we're putting helmets on them at dinner time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally kidding on that one. But don't you agree? We're in a safety-obsessed culture. We, we want to nurture, nurture, nurture. Mm -hmm. So that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. But think about the messaging the kid gets if all we're ever saying is careful, careful, careful. Right. They're going, risk is bad. Mm -hmm. I don't want to take any risk. So Generation Z is highly entrepreneurial in nature, and yet they don't want to take any risk. Well, if you're gonna be an entrepreneur, that's a risk. Don't you think that's a risk somewhere right. in there? And then lastly, the last letter E, certainly not everyone, certainly not all of us, but boy, I bet you'd agree with this. Our will is full of entitlement. Yeah. I deserve this because I'm here. You should give it to me. And if I grew up in a world of entitlement, it's so easy to assume that labor is bad. Right. And again, here's, here's all I want you to know. If you, can, if you can look at that screen right there, mm -hmm. if you look at the right-hand column that reads slow, hard, boring, risk, and labor, would you just patronize me and stare at that for a minute? Mm -hmm. It dawned on me when I first scribbled this out, aren't those the very elements that grow me into a good adult? Right. When things are slow and I have to struggle for it a little bit and work for it, man, that's when I grow into a good husband, good right. father, good man, good leader. Yeah. All I'm saying is our 21st century culture, which I love, right. is ripping away the things that would naturally build life skills in me. That means we have to be more intentional. That's all I'm saying, moms and dads and coaches and teachers. We have to be way more intentional than we did 30 or 40 years ago when things were slower. And I'm begging you, let's create gymnasiums for spiritual growth. Really gymnasiums good. for social and emotional growth. That's what I'm loving. That's really helpful. And I know you mentioned, you were mentioning last night about some, if we don't do this, we could end up in a scenario like some of the reports you're getting from, I thought it was hilarious, unfortunately, yeah. some of the HR reports that you've yeah. gotten back about kids on, not even kids, young adults on yeah. job interviews. Yeah, so I just did a conference for human resource executives in Atlanta, and one woman came up to me at the break and she said, Tim, I thought this might be an anomaly, but it's happened six times in the last two months. She said, I just handed a job offer to a recently graduated college student who's now a young professional. And she said, all six of these young adults took the offer and said, thank you. But then they all said, but um, now my parents need to interview you <laughs> to make sure you're a suitable boss for me. <laughs> all six were ushered to the door, did not get the job, thanks to mama who wanted to, you know, be the yeah. agent you know, the agent. In fact, I had a college student say to me, yeah, Dr. Elmore, my mom's like my agent. You know what an agent is? Yeah. You know, they're representing, lobbying, mm -hmm. negotiating. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, when are our kids gonna learn to do this? They can do it. Right. I believe, in fact, if you believe in your kid, let them do yeah. it. If you don't, keep doing that. Yeah. And here's what we're not saying. I know you enough to know, you would not be against the parents giving feedback. 
giving input, being of a course, consultant, yes. but never like an in-between that would try and then go uh, leverage or manipulate their way into getting a yeah. job. So I had to learn this lesson. I want you to know I'm not this perfect parent. Right. I learned this all the way. We work with a lot of kids, so I have an undeserved advantage. But I'm telling you, early on, they need lots of uh, direction, correction, right. no doubt about it. But as they age, your leadership style should change. Good. That, it makes sense, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. they're, they're 12, they're not five, they're 15, they're not 12. And I believe we do move from supervisor to consultant. Now my kids are in their 20s. I'm no longer, the, I'm still dad, I love them to pieces. Good. I love my children. But if they come and ask, I'll offer, I'll get, and by, by the way, then when they come, they want it. I'm yeah, not forcing it good. on them. So I, I really believe we've got to change our leadership styles as they yeah. get older. Yeah. I think too, uh, another question, we've mentioned this a few times, but I think that all of us can relate to this at some level, both as parents and just as an adult in this world today. How do we get better in managing our technology? We use the term screenagers, yeah. which is what they're talking about. But, but even it scales down and it scales up, right? From, from our little kids, right? And they're coming home from school and they're saying, you know, Two of my little ones were like, I'm like, okay, that's enough computer time. They're like, Dad, I'm doing my schoolwork. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't know Netflix was where your schoolwork was, right? And so, but then it's I looked. It's a research project. Yeah, but yeah. then I looked and they really were. They're reading yeah, assignments, sure. their yeah. math, it was all online. So yeah. how do we manage that in our homes? How do we get healthy on technology? Like you said, if, if our brain needs time away, what does that look like in our homes? Yeah, I just did a series of blogs on this, so this is fresh in my mind. I don't think I'm some sort of expert on social media, but f the first and foremost thing I would say is there needs to be clear boundaries mm -hmm. that adults set. Right. Technology's way too new. It's still too new yes. for, for a 14-year-old to figure out, oh, how much is too much? Mm -hmm. So I, I would say, first of all, model the boundaries yourself. That's good. In our focus groups, we had middle school kids say, I never talked to my mom. She's on social media all the time. She's on wow. Facebook all day long. Wow. My mother. So moms and dads, can I just say, watch yourself. Mm -hmm. Clear boundaries. So at, at mealtime, phones in a basket. All the phones go in a basket. We're gonna be face to face now. Yeah. At nine o'clock or whatever time you choose, phones are going in a basket. We're not, sure, we don't yeah. need to be online at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. Mm -hmm. So I think clear boundaries are key. And then I think we need to, um, I, I think we need to let them enter into the conversation. Just yeah. like you did. Your, yeah. your kid said, I'm doing homework. So technology is not evil. Right. It just makes a horrible master a wonderful servant. We need good. to make sure it stays a servant. It's really good. Uh, you know, I think about it this way. You were saying this about boundaries. And, and for the kids to have boundaries, the parents have to have boundaries yeah, as that's well. Right. I, I think the temptation for any of us is we can get frustrated and we could just say, turn off the screen, put it away. Why? Because I told you so. Yeah. I think of yeah. Proverbs 12 where it says, there's one who speaks like the thrusting of a sword. Yes. Right? As yeah. parents, we get frustrated. It would be easy to say yeah. things harsh or difficult. Uh, but the rest of that verse goes on to say, the tongue of the wise brings healing. Mm, love it. So if, we, yeah. if we'll just say, okay, listen, let's, we're both gonna put up our phones. We're gonna read. We're yes. gonna go for a walk. Let's talk about our day. What, what, was the, what was the hardest part of your day? Trying to find ways, and I know that's difficult. It requires yeah. emotional energy. How have you found helping your kids not just hear, yeah. okay, these are the rules, yeah. but they build their own convictions so these boundaries are things they carry with them for the rest of their life? One of the smartest decisions I made as a parent, and I made a lot of dumb ones, we'll talk about those later, <laughs> yeah. but one of the smartest decisions, Jed, was beginning to explain why. Mm. Now, I know there's one parenting philosophy that would say, never tell them why, just because I'm the dad, that's yeah. why. But here's what I found. When I began to take a few minutes, sit down with my 11-year-old or 8-year-old and say, sweetheart, let me tell you exactly why. And sometimes when they were old enough, I'd share a little article that had a little statistic and I'd say, 
you know, here's the advantage we have. Mm -hmm. But when I explained why, suddenly, even if they didn't agree with me, they go, well, dad has a good reason for this. Mm -hmm. And here's what I'm gonna get in the end. I'm gonna be better, more ready for a job, or I'm ready for this, ready for that. Now, one cool outcome of this was, I'll never forget one time when my daughter Bethany, who's four years older than her brother, I, heard, I overheard them talking, I had just explained a rule, and I think I started by saying, you're not gonna like me this week, you're gonna love me at 30, you're not gonna like me this week, and I shared the, yeah. I heard Bethany explain it to Jonathan, and it just made me tear up. Mm. She goes, Jonathan, I know it doesn't make sense, but dad always has a good reason why. Mm. So we should trust him on this one. Mm. And uh, her allowance was $50 that week. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it just did my heart good because what I did is I drilled into them, I'm not gonna make some flippant decision on your life. So You're good. the most important thing to me. Yeah. But, but I'm gonna give you some stuff you don't see yet. That's really good. Yet. By the way, yet is a favorite word of mine. Yeah. You may not be good at math yet. You may yeah. not be good yet. You may not understand this yet. Yeah. And I always go back, what's coming is better. What's coming is really better. Good. I want a thank you note at 30, not yeah. a counseling appointment at 30. That's so good. I love that idea. You're talking about building a culture in your home where there's, yeah. it's not just a series of rules that can feel yeah. arbitrary, yeah. but here's our, here's our home. This yeah. is the culture of our home. We're all moving towards it. Yeah. You know, last night we were talking and I said, this is so, you know, I was saying, what does this look like? in a blended family. Mm. And I actually had someone stop me in the commons afterwards and she said, Pastor Jed, thank you so much for saying that because we're out there yes. and we know you're out there and we wanna help because we know it's yeah. hard. When you're trying to build boundaries and guidelines and there's two homes involved and you're trying to work. So talk a little bit about how building this culture in our home helps them, yeah. yes, in the blended situation, but then also down the road, like you yeah. were saying. I don't have a rocket science answer on this sure. one, I'm so sorry, but what I believe are some fundamentals that could really help. Mm -hmm. First of all, the two parties that are involved in a blended family, or just a divorced family, maybe they're right. single parents, sure. are communicating as often as you can and agreeing on whatever you can. It's really good. Knowing that the kid, now you're not gonna agree on everything, that's why you're not together, right. perhaps, but <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed that over there. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> but um, I believe that the kids need to see these are adults, and this is how adults right. do, uh, relationships with conflict. Good. So there's communication, and maybe minimally you just say, let's just agree at uh, nine o'clock phones are put away. Mm -hmm. I mean, can we do that? You sure. Know, whatever. I think that communicates incredible positive um, mm -hmm. messages to it's our really children. Good. And then I think we need to make sure that we're, that we're connecting as much as we can. I think kids just need to see adults, even when they have conflict, mm -hmm. can, can get along. I'll be honest with you, as we're working with 8,000 schools right now across America. The narrative in the public school right now is civil discourse is key. Even we adults can't do civil, would you not agree? It's true. We can't get along in Washington, D.C., we can't get along wherever we live. We've got to, now we have principles, of course, right. biblical principles, but we've got to somehow make sure that we love and communicate how love is shown in a relationship or our kids are gonna be worse off than we were. They'll just continue on the stream further down the road. I think it's true. And again, I think technology plays a role in that as well because how we communicate, even when we text people, even, yeah. even in our own home. You know, when you text or you email, it's convenient and it's fast, but there's no subtext, there's no yeah. nuance, there's yes. no body language, yeah. there's no way to yeah. paraphrase and say, okay, here's what I think you're saying, yeah. is that what you really mean to say? And we, would, we get a little bit more bold behind a keyboard it's so true. than we would away from it if we were just sitting face to face yeah. with someone. Yeah, so when I saw, when my wife and I saw our kids at eight and 12, 
in front of screens all the time and they were, their people skills were dipping, if you know what I'm talking about. Right. They were great with a screen but not yeah. with a real face. Um, I started giving them talks at dinner time. You know how good those <laughs> go over, you know. Dad's lecture, 403, you know. Yeah. So I could tell that wasn't really connecting right. super well even though I had a great lecture. Yeah. So we decided to go epic. We made it experiential. It's good. So the next thing we, we did, my wife and I decided to do, three weeks later, we had a party for our adult friends. Wow. And we had our kids host the party at eight awesome. and 12 years old. So at first they went, oh my gosh, this is so stupid. But you know what they learned to do? They learned to answer the door. Hi, Mr. Johnson, come on in. Have you met Mrs. Smith? Can I take your coat? Would you like some iced tea? It's really and good. And then we, then we debriefed afterwards, and it wasn't a lecture, it was an engage. You great. always have to engage conversations after experiences. And it was so funny to hear my kids. Be Bethany goes, man, Mr. Johnson's emotional intelligence is really low, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's so low. It's yeah. amazing, you know. And yours are so high, yeah. you know. But, um, but it, it was really great. So create environments and experiences from which you have a dialogue. But I tell you what, the experience needs to come first because that just right. helps. In fact, I should mention this. Yeah. There, I think if they're left, there are, um, we have a book table out back. There's a disc that's $5. Mm -hmm. It's 52 leadership ideas, just projects and experiences mm -hmm. you can do with students or kids at home that, that create um, communication skills, leadership mm -hmm. skills, vision, people, yeah. So, so good. And I, and I think I love that insight. So practical. But again, it's not just great leadership technique. It's not just great yeah. relational development. Yeah. This is what Jesus did. Absolutely. Right? I mean, he took yeah. his disciples, yeah. he modeled for them, and then he put them out and said, you guys do it, and then they evaluated afterwards. We're just following yeah. his pattern. Absolutely. Well, I think as we're wrapping up here, there's so much great content, so much great insight, but I know all of us in the room, whether you're a grandparent, I had a guy come up to me last night and said, you know, I, we have one daughter, she's off in college, I'm listening to all this stuff, I'm like, man, I wish I could have a do-over. And, and, and we said, listen, I said, we need you. There are young yeah, families that can right. really use your coaching and your help. But I know a lot of people are going, Jed, I'm so far off the map. Yeah. I, you know, having a dinner party with my kids and having yeah. them host them, I don't even know what that looks like. Yeah. Really, honestly, I don't even know what to say. I feel distance with my preteen. I feel distance. I feel ashamed. I feel condemned. I don't want to tell anybody that I'm struggling. Yeah. It, it, we know they're out there. What do we say to the person who goes like, where do I even start? What could be the first thing I could do? What's something, give me some hope. Give me something that lets me know, okay, this is possible. I can connect. Yeah. It's not too late in my home with my kids, with my siblings, with my husband. How do we get help for people who just feel, that feels a million miles away? Yeah, I would say one phrase, don't think control, think connect. It's good. So when something goes awry in the home, isn't it true for moms and dads, we wanna seize control. Mm -hmm. Let me just fix this problem. Well, control is a myth. Yeah. I've never had any control over any teenager's attitude. Mm. But if I seek connection at the heart level, it's good. and I, I build a bond and I'm listening most of the time perhaps, yeah. now I don't have control, but I've got a greater level That's of influence. Great. So the smartest decision that my wife Pam and I made mm. as parents, mm -hmm. no doubt about it, was when both of our kids turned 13, we created a rite of passage experience for our children. Mm -hmm. Right about the time they're going into their teenage years where parents' voices kind of go down in their influence and other people's voices go up in their influence. Mm -hmm. So my daughter was first. Bethany's 29 now, so 15, 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. I sit down with Bethany. I said, Bethany, tonight at this dinner table, you and I are gonna select six women that over the course of this next year will be one-day mentors for you over the course of this next mm -hmm. year. Women that we really admire as wonderful, godly female role models mm -hmm. and that you think are really cool. So it was a mutual decision mm -hmm. 
She had to buy in and I had to buy in. Right. Well, it didn't take us six, I mean, in 10 minutes, we had six great ladies, wow. many from our church right. neighborhood. So I called all six of these ladies up the next day and I said, this is gonna sound wacko, but would you be a one-day mentor for our little girl Bethany over the course of this next year? Pick a day that works for you. And over the course of that day, could she shadow you? We so respect the life you're living. You're a healthy, well-adjusted, midlife adult. We want her to see how you're doing life. We're, we're not seconding our parenting, parenting responsibility. Good. We just wanna add you to the mix. Right. I said, the only thing I would say is, Take her wherever you normally go. If you go to work, take her to work. If you stay at home, keep her at home. But I said, would you just share one life message with our daughter Bethany during the course of that day? A message you wish you would have heard when you were 13, but nobody ever shared it with you. Well, Jed, not only did these ladies say yes, mm. they truly went beyond my wildest wow. imaginations. I'll, I don't have time for, I'll just share one quick story. Sarah was first. Mm. Sarah is an RN. She's a nurse at the local uh, maternity ward at the hospital. She took our little eighth grade Bethany into the maternity ward. Wow. Bethany was helping women give birth to babies between nine and three that day. Wow. Scares the bejeebies out of me just saying yeah. it out loud. I mean, scalpel, she yeah. treated her like an intern. Scalpel, scissors, you know, she's handled, she saw it all that day. C-section, natural birth, saw everything. At three o'clock, Sarah took Bethany out of the maternity ward, took her into another room in the hospital where she led a class for unwed mothers. Mm -hmm. And Bethany sat amidst of other, a bunch of other teenage girls that were pregnant and probably didn't want to be. Mm -hmm. Very sobering. At the end of the day, over dinner, do you know what Sarah's life message was for our daughter? It was on sexual purity. Wow. Waiting for the man that God brings you before you engage in sexual. Well, don't you know that message got through loud and clear that particular day of her life? <laughs> yeah. Much better than my talk on yeah. the subject. And yeah. I've got a really good lecture on that yeah. one. <laughs> So my point is this, it was experience, it was epic. Yeah. Experiences, conversations, yeah. voices of others, echoing the values that Pam and I so believe. I did not script any of these. I mean, one gal flew Bethany up to New York City, one gal took her downtown to work wow. on the projects, but at the end of the year, Jed, we had all the ladies over mm -hmm. for a dinner, a thank you dinner. Bethany served them dinner, that was huge for our chill daughter. Mm -hmm. She served them dinner. After dinner, we all went into the family room and Bethany mm -hmm. had set up a chair in the middle of the room. I was very proud of her this mm -hmm. night. She set up a chair in the middle of the room and at my encouragement, but I did not do this for her, mm -hmm. she began to read one by one a mm -hmm. personal note that she'd written to each of these six ladies. Mm -hmm. And it would just went something like, this, Dear Miss Sandra, this is what I learned from mm -hmm. you. This is how my life changed. Wow. Thank you. Dear Miss Betsy, this is what you did for wow. me. This is how my life changed. Thank mm -hmm. you. Dear Miss Holly. Well, of course, they're whispering things back to her, but it's powerful. We're, we're all just, yeah. uh, we're just, um, there's not a dry eye in the room. Yeah. Afterwards, I opened up the book of Genesis and I attempted to read mm -hmm. the passage that described how Jewish fathers would speak words of blessing mm -hmm. over their children. And I couldn't get through the passage, yeah. but I didn't need to. Every one of these ladies knew intuitively what I was trying mm -hmm. to do. And they all got up from the sofas and chairs and all knelt down on the floor and looking up at our little girl, little blonde haired, blue eyed little girl, just spoke words of blessing. Mm -hmm. Bethany, I believe in you. Bethany, you're gonna be a great leader. Mm -hmm. I could just see it. Bethany, you're gonna be a great wife if you choose to be. Bethany, you are gonna be an amazing mom if mm -hmm. you choose to be. Well, we just saw her mushroom mm -hmm. and it was the voices of others. And the reason mm -hmm. I share this story is this. If you're feeling overwhelmed at everything we just said today, yeah. you're not alone. You don't have to do this alone. Right. 
enlist the body of Christ. Yeah. Together, we can do this. Yeah. We really can. You're gonna be strong in some areas, yeah. weak in others. I'm weak in some. Yeah. I didn't talk about weak, my weaknesses today. Right. But boy, my wife and I and several people from our church. Yeah. And I have two gamefully employed children awesome. in their 20s that are serving Jesus. Yeah. So um, now I do need to close the story. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm taking no, too much okay. time. Jonathan, Bethany's brother, watched that last night. You know, you know how little brothers watch everything going on? So he's nine years old, watches all that going on. As I tuck him into bed that night, I pull up the covers and I start to pray with him. He goes, Dad, I've already picked the six guys I want to mentor Yeah, me. it's awesome. <laughs> and four so years later, we did it. Yeah. So. It's such a great picture. You know, and as a, I'm sure for all of you as parents, you're thinking, how do we create those kind of moments for our kids? Yeah. You know what, you could do it. Here's the simple answer. You know, we, the reason why we tell you, get in the growth track, join a small group, participate in Serve Day. Yeah, it's yeah. not just a bunch of programs. That's right. That's how you create those kind of pictures. Yeah. How do your kids experience? How do they make those kind of relationships? How do they know six people to write down? That's right. They go with yeah. you to Serve Day. You're in this small group. You meet the people that you need to help you do life together. We call it multiple anchors here at Milestone. They're all around you. As you take steps as a family, your kids will naturally take steps. When you go to our children's area, what you see back there is you don't have to be, wait to be great. You can be a great kid. Mm. You say, well, I don't know where to find those resources. They're all around. As you serve, as you get in a small group, as you join, as you go through 301, you'll meet the people that will become the six that your kids look up to. The great thing about this is it's scalable, yeah. right? You can be a single mom. You can be an empty nester. We need you. You can participate in the development and the growth of the next generation. We're in every one church. Everyone has a part to play in seeing this next generation become who God's called them to be. Dr. Tim, thank you so thank much you, for My your pleasure. investment. I want to pray for us as we close. God, we thank you. We hear these insights, this wisdom from your word. God, and it's more than just pragmatic tips. God, we sense your heart. Lord, as you say in your word, it is your desire. When your spirit is moving, you draw hearts of parents to children and hearts of children to parents. God, we don't always know what to do. We don't always have the right word. We make mistakes, but we thank you for your presence. God, I'm praying for every family represented here at Milestone in McKinney online in our video service. God, you see our families. You love our families, it's your idea. God, I'm praying that you'd give us wisdom, you'd repair damaged environments, you'd, you'd help, as Dr. Tim say, help us move from control to connect. God, I thank you that the most spiritual thing we can do most days is to love our wives or to, to encourage our husbands to, to speak to our children, to create moments as a family. Lord, I pray against the shame or the condemnation, the feeling that that's for somebody else. I can't do that. God, I'm praying that every one of us would grow in this area. We'd feel your inspiration. We'd feel your wisdom. We'd feel your help. Because in our own strength, none of us is good enough to do it. Lord, we pray for these families. Lord, we pray for hope, encouragement, inspiration, and changed lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 